I just want to thank uh, SME for inviting me to speak at this uh, eighth annual Current Trends in Mining Finance Conference. My name is Howard Klein, and I've been uh, advising lithium companies and investing in lithium equities since 2009. So, I mean, this conference is filled with all sorts of technical information and detail, but uh, I'm very focused on investment and advice, and I saw some panel on gold and yeah, so, so I've witnessed in lithium investing since 2009, you know, both the sadness, you know, and euphoria, you know, for those familiar with uh, Billy Joel and uh, the Summer Highland Falls, you know, of two booms and uh, two busts in the lithium space. After a positive experience in the gold space in China, uh, and my friend Jay Shemalaskis asked me in 2009, you know, to help promote his next venture, which is called Western Lithium, which was spun out of Western Uranium. Western Lithium comprised some ex-Chevron claims in Nevada that hosted lithium in clay. The lithium 1.0 boom post-global financial crisis under Obama and the China stimulus after the financial crisis lasted about three years until 2012. Lithium, like many other mined commodities, then experienced a nuclear winter-like period you know, for the next nearly four years. Toyota's ugly Prius, the Nissan Leaf, and the Chevy Volt sold some, but didn't much move the electric vehicle or the lithium-ion battery demand needle very much. But in 2015, after Tesla announced Gigafactory number one in Nevada, lithium 2.0 began. Jay Shamalaskis got tired of hearing from everyone how much better brine was than clay and decided to merge with Lithium Americas, which was developing the high-grade Kachari Olaraz project in Argentina adjacent to Allchem, now call, then called Oracobre. Around that time, Argentina took a very positive turn in investor sentiment as free market President Macri took over from Cristina Fernandez. Lithium carbonate prices doubled from 6,000 to a previously unheard of $12,000. A window of risk equity capital opened, pouring into Argentina and Western Australia in particular, but also Canada the US and Africa. In 2016, I started working for Piedmont Lithium, a startup with a back to the future investment proposition to bring back spodumene mining to North Carolina, which had once accounted for 100% of the world's lithium production in the 1950s through the 1980s. Both Western Lithium Americas and Piedmont have grown from sub 25 million market value when I started working with them to $3 billion and $1 billion companies, respectively. But they're both just getting started with first production and revenues in coming months. Lithium and other niche metals powering the energy transition are highly nuanced. They are largely misunderstood by Wall Street, Bay Street, and most of the global metals commentariat, which has presented me and my partner Rodney Hooper an opportunity to develop a thriving consulting and advisory business. RK Equity has been publishing a near monthly newsletter, The Lithium Ion Bull, since 2016. I'm the Lithium Ion Bull, that's my Twitter handle, at Lithium Ion Bull. I'd encourage you to follow me on Twitter if you use Twitter. Rodney Hooper and I have co-hosted the Lithium Ion Rocks podcast since 2019, and in 2020, during the pandemic, when everybody was consuming YouTube, we launched Rockstock channel on YouTube. 
That was a time period when Tesla went parabolic and a whole host of Tesla influencers with retail investors were much smarter and right compared to the institutional investors who were anti-Tesla. I would encourage you to register your email on RK Equities website, as well as follow me on Twitter. And those who followed me for years know my proclivity to narrate Lithium Bull through the prism of classic rock and pop culture. You'll hear more than just Billy Joel in the coming minutes. We selected Canada's greatest progressive rock icon to headline RK Equity's first ever virtual conf conference earlier this year, Canada Rocks. Feel free to visit Rockstock channel on YouTube and you'll hear more than 10 15 minute presentations of Quebec and Ontario's finest spodumene stories. We're in the midst of the roaring 2020s, Lithium Bull, a Lithium Rush 3.0. My partner, Rodney Hooper, believes a structural deficit in battery-grade lithium is here to stay for the remainder of this decade or longer, and that lithium prices will remain stronger for longer. But as we experience more euphoria than sadness this time round, investing in this strong equity thematic, nevertheless, can often feel like the adventures of Tom Sawyer. Rallies to all-time higher love, to recall Steve Winwood, often dissipate into 30, 50, and 70% retracements. Questions you should consider asking than thinking about investing in lithium. Now, do you prefer conventional brines or conventional hard rock? What about geothermal brines or oil field brines? Is direct lithium extraction a game changer in terms of scalability, sustainability, and cost? Why did GM choose to finance unconventional soft rock project Thacker Pass? And why did Lithium Americas choose GM? Does Elon Musk have some magic salt bullet to unlock Nevada clay as he advertised in 2020? RK Equity's Lithium Equity scoreboard up here has become a go-to starting point in evaluating the investment landscape for Lithium. To put things in stark perspective, about a dozen early stage speculations have reached billion dollar unicorn status at some point in the last few years. How many gold companies have achieved that? Or silver? Or copper? Or other poorly performing commodities that employ far more Wall Street and Bay Street brain power? There are now about 100 lithium hopefuls striving to achieve the same on this scoreboard. And while battery-grade lithium will continue to be in structural shortage, there is no doubt an oversupply of lithium investment opportunities on that scoreboard. Taking more cues from Rush, we all have free will and can speculate on any and all of these companies. But it is far better to avoid the fly-by-nights and to find and bet on the working man, the new world man or woman, best position for stock price appreciation. Elon Musk has often dismissed lithium, the salt on the salad of battery materials. But a year ago, he and Drew Baglino mentioned the word lithium a full 27 times in their Q1 conference call. These were the most bullish comments on lithium I've ever heard or read. Mining and refining lithium is a limiting factor, the biggest cost growth item. Without big increases in extraction and refinement, prices will be driven to high levels. Into 2030, we need everybody to do more in the lithium space. At Tesla's recent investor day, the company revealed it is building a 40,000 ton per year hydroxide plant in Corpus Christi, Texas. 
using the same technology that Piedmont Lithium is going to be using in, Carol, in, ten, in Carolina and Tennessee. Tesla held the groundbreaking ceremony for that yesterday and indicated first production from 2025 producing enough lithium to power a million EVs per year. Tesla is not alone in their need for refined battery-grade lithium. Thanks to big money Biden's carrots and sticks, the Bipartisan Infrastructure Law and Inflation Reduction Act is spurring a once-in-a-century investment in new USA auto and battery manufacturing. This battery map slide from Piedmont Lithium demonstrates the USA alone needs 650 to 750,000 tons of lithium hydroxide, not carbonate, hydroxide, by 2030. Albemarle and Livent, from their operations in North Carolina, currently produce only about 20,000. Elon has suggested that refining is where the margin is, but Pilbara Minerals, one of the biggest spodumene producers in the world, showing 85% EBITDA and nearly $2 billion in first half cash flow generation shows the truth. The bulk of spodumene supply is currently controlled, in my opinion, by a duopoly of the largest Australian spodumene assets, Pilbara alongside the Albemarle joint venture with mineral resources. The choke point is in spodumene supply, not in refining. Tesla's chairwoman, Robin Denholm, is Australian. Elon Musk has tweeted at times that he gets his lithium from Australia, which is only partly true as all chemicals today are processed in China. Lithium is certainly abundant in the Earth's crust, but there are a limited number of JORT-compliant resources in Australia, just 14 according to this chart my partner Rodney prepared. All the producers with above 50 million tons of mineral resource estimates are tightly held and or vertically integrated to making chemicals. Several hydroxide plants are being commissioned or under construction in Australia. There's just not a lot of spare spodumene supply available. Albemarle, supported by 5 billion EBITDA over the past six months and 60% higher prices in 2023 versus 2022, is seeking to preserve its duopoly discipline with a $3.5 billion bid for Liontown, which controls the next largest pre-production asset in Australia. Just think about it, not even in production, $3.5 billion. Spodumene software, go long what Tesla is short. Siona Mining and, closer to the heart, Piedmont, announced the restart of commercial spodumene production of the twice-failed North American lithium operation in Valdor, Quebec. Livent is planning a final investment decision shortly to restart Namasco with the backing of Investissement Quebec. Clean and green spodumene from these assets will soon power batteries produced by Tesla, LG Chem, and other Tier 1 names. In 2018, Volkswagen famously talked about lithium as the irreplaceable element and pointed to conventional spodumene mines as being the most reliable and scalable compared to South American brines and unconventional sources. VW key executive Tom Schmall continues to talk big on LinkedIn and in a recent Reuters article about owning mines. I've talked for the past five years about how important the North American lithium triangle will be the spodumene to hydroxide lithium, hydro lithium triangle. I believe there are more than six sigma lithiums in Quebec, Ontario, and Carolina. For those unfamiliar, 
I'm going to the NASDAQ for a Brazilian uh, NASDAQ event where Sigma Lithium, which has grown from 25 million to 3.5 billion, will be among the companies presenting. So that Six Sigma is a double entendre for anyone who's familiar with the uh, GE uh, business methodology. In my opinion, we should be speaking about the North America Lithium Triangle with the following six words that begin with the letter S. Secure, scalable, sustainable, strategic, spodumene, supply chain. Quebec and Ontario are among the world's best mining jurisdictions according to the Fraser Institute. Canada's ESG credentials are super positive with super low cost and super green hydro powering Quebec to Ontario's 50% plus clean nuclear. Cheap clean hydro is why Quebec hosts so much alumina refining and aluminum smelting, which are enormously energy intensive. Green premiums are being paid for Canada's aluminum. They will also be paid for its lithium, in my opinion. Quebec produces some 3.1 million tons of alumina and 1.5 million tons of alumina across more than 10 smelters and refineries, but it imports all its bauxite. I expect Quebec and Ontario, as well as South and Southeastern USA, will replicate the current China-Australia spodumene to hydroxide route currently in place to supply Asia and the rest of the world at present. I foresee a dozen or more lithium chemical refineries over the next 10 to 20 years sprouting up in North America. The North American Lithium Triangle, hydroxide hubs, are the first among unequals, in my opinion, when thinking about creating localized supply chains for the world's biggest Western auto markets. Again, sustainable lithium sourced here should warrant a green premium pricing and double-digit specialty chemical EBITDA multiples. Chris Ellison, founder and CEO of Mineral Resources, one of the largest spodumene producers and joint venture partner to Albemarle, famously quipped a few months ago, if you own your own rock, you're God. Otherwise, you're screwed by us. Quality assets with quality managements deserve to attract capital at all stages of development. Lithium equities tend to follow the typical Pierre Lassonde life cycle curve, and spodumene companies in particular. Along the path from conceptualizing a discovery, then to field work identifying drill-ready targets, then to drilling those targets, and hopefully making a discovery. When the backdrop for any commodity like spodumene is hot, new discoveries can result in parabolic stock price rises, like Robert Friedland's big score in Voises Bay, for those old enough to remember that nickel success. At some point though, as reality sets in and exploration turns toward development, economic studies, engineering, permitting, financing, which can take years, stocks often languish. But once those things are out of the way and production is in sight, as it is at Piedmont and Siona with North American lithium, stocks go parabolic again. When Canaccord Genuity talks, like E.F. Hutton, to use another reference that people may uh, remember, people listen. No broker has covered lithium for longer or cover as many stocks or have done more equity places than Canaccord has in the lithium space. They waited until last week to call the bottom. We expect much more M&A in coming months and years, both from existing lithium players and those outside the industry. We would not be surprised to see gold and precious metals producers following Sabina Stillwater's lead 
by controlling substantive hard rock lithium miners. Those following lithium know that Morgan Stanley has been perennially bearish, but even them, last week, see upside risk to their second half 2023 price forecast. Lithium looking up. Lithium equities have started rising on both Canaccord and Morgan Stanley's notes, which have been following an uptick in the lithium carbonate spot price. Back to my rock metaphors, keep it simple, stupid, kiss lithium. As financing for junior lithium miners dried up for much of the 2012 to 2015 period, incumbents Tangshi and Rockwood took over the world's best hard rock lithium mine, Talazin, in 2012 for just a billion dollars. A few years later, Albemarle bought Rockwood for $6.2 billion in 2015, paying 15 times trailing EBITDA. Both deals were considered very richly valued. As the lithium 2.0 boom was busting, West Farmers, a large Australian company, paid $550 million in cash in 2018 to get 50% of the Mount Holland project in Western Australia. That was five times what SQM paid just 18 months earlier for their 50% interest. In 2019, Albemarle seemingly overpaid to become partners with Mineral Resources at Rogen and Kemerton. They paid about a billion and a half dollars. In 2018, Tangshi nearly bankrupted itself, paying 4.1 billion for Nutrien's 24% stake in SQM, paying $65 a share for this minority stake, which include no control, no new supply, nor offtake. A few weeks ago, before nationalization of Chile's lithium became a key headline, Tangshi was sitting on a 50% $2 billion return on paper after four years. Lesson number one, even if you pay up at market tops for quality producers and development projects, you can reap high returns. But you need patience and long-term perspective. Diamond hands. Lesson number two, if you could deploy new capital during retracements like we're currently experiencing, you'll do even better. Liontown's rejection of Albemarle's $3.5 billion offer, and with the stock trading at about $2.85, well above Albemarle's $2.5 bid, is a stark contrast to those fretting about the sharp seasonal decline in the China spot carbonate price. Lithium prices have begun to stabilize over the past two weeks and have begun to bounce, and Canaccord, Morgan Stanley, Macquarie, and others are pushing the lithium equity thematic. If you leave this presentation with nothing else, remember, go long what Tesla is short. Go long what China is short. Commodity equities follow commodity prices. If you own your own North American spodumene rock, you're God. For those who know KISS, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. KISS, spodumene software in the North American Lithium Triangle. This is a list of all the companies RK Equity has represented in the lithium battery material space over the past 14 years. And this is a disclaimer of all the companies we advise or hold equity positions in. To be clear, RK Equity is not an investment advisor. Nothing I've said here should be considered investment advice. These are just my opinions, but I would highly recommend that you do your own research, as I expect many of the companies that have grown 10 to 20 times and have become unicorns may still triple or quadruple in the coming years. And there are other earlier stage companies on our scoreboard that may following their pioneering brethren like Piedmont Lithium and grow from 25 million to a billion during the same time frame.
Thank you very much.